Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin of Behind the Steel Curtain, and it is time for another episode of Let's Ride. It is not your typical Friday episode. You didn't hear me say about how this episode is sponsored by DraftKings. That's going to be on Monday because the Steelers don't play till Monday night. And so there's going to be, it's a little bit different. We're still going to have Jeremy Jerome bets on in the second half of this show. We're still doing the rookie recap. I've got some random thoughts, but there's not going to be a DraftKings sportsbook parlay this in this episode. That'll be on Monday. There's not going to be your keys to victory. That'll be on Monday. And there's not even going to be a prediction from me. You'll get Jeremy's prediction, but you won't get mine until Monday. So things are going to be a little bit different, but that's okay. You know, I'm recording this on Thanksgiving Day, and we don't eat until the afternoon. Games are about to kick off, and the Steelers have not released their first injury report. And honestly, I was going to wait, and I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to wait. Because on Monday, I'll be able to diagnose all of the injuries. It's the first injury report, so it's really, you don't know too much because, well, let's be honest. Let's say Jalen Warren doesn't practice on Thursday because of his hamstring injury. He could definitely be healthy enough to practice on on Friday uh, and then again on Saturday. So it's one of those situations where I'm just going to overgo all that stuff. We're going to give you maybe a shortened version in the first half, and then Jeremy and I are going to dive headfirst into NFL picks and all that good stuff in the second half. And as always... Don't forget the heart-to-heart at the very end of this episode. So without the news and all that stuff, let's dive right first into the random thoughts. Only have one. You know, I'm I'm at my brother's house in Richmond, Virginia, and on the way down, I was thinking, as I always do when I have time just kind of to my thoughts, I'm thinking about the Steelers' free agents, the the players that they picked up this past offseason, and I'm thinking about in regards to their effectiveness and the contracts they signed and is it did, did, Has it worked out so far? And this could be a whole podcast, and I'm sure I'll do this at the end of the season and really recap everything that happened. But I'm thinking about players like Mitch Trubisky. You know, everyone loved that signing, including myself, when it was made. Two-year contract, very incentive-laden. He's not going to reach those incentives barring injury. Okay, I mean, is it living up to expectations? I, I guess as he's a proven commodity, he's a backup. He wasn't signed as a backup, though. What about Mason Cole? I think Mason Cole's been a bright spot. Mike Tomlin talked about that two weeks ago. He thinks that Mason Cole is a guy that is kind of the anchor in that offensive line. And in the second half of that game against Cincinnati, you saw a clear difference in the way the Steelers were able to call plays and run plays without Mason Cole in there when he left with that midfoot injury. With J.C. Hassenauer, they have a proven commodity in terms of a backup, but they don't have the same quality player. This isn't a starter in waiting, if you want to put it that way. So Mason Cole, I, I think he's been living up to expectations for sure, at least so far. You look along the offensive line still in James Daniels. Everyone was very concerned about James Daniels in the preseason. He was making some really bad mistakes. He looked really bad at times, but I feel like he's right at the ship. That right side of the offensive line from center, right guard, right tackle, including Chooks Okora for they've been solid. They've been very solid. If there's been issues, it's typically on the left side with Kevin Dotson, Dan Moore Jr. I like what I've seen from James Daniels. He was a big money free agent, and he seems to be paying off so far. Miles Jack is another one. Again, I think he's living up to the expectation. Signed a two-year deal this offseason. He's playing well. He's playing consistent snaps. He hasn't lost the athleticism, hasn't lost the speed. He is living up to the billing. 
Levi Wallace, this is a tough one. He's battled injury throughout this season. Ups and downs in coverage. He has had a lot of interceptions, leads the team in interceptions right now. I've asked this question before. I'll say it again right here. Is he a Kella Witherspoon 2.0? Meaning he has some warts in his game, but he's making up for it with splash plays, i.e. interceptions. We'll see. As of right now, I think the the, the verdict's still out on Levi Wallace. DeMonte KZ. Now, he's been injured. He's only played two games this season. Can't can't judge him yet. Cannot judge him yet. I want to see what the Steelers still plan to do with him. We saw good things against the Saints. Not so much against Cincinnati. Not that he made a lot of mistakes, but they just didn't use him as much as we thought. We'll see how that plays out. Gunnar Olszewski, I think that's a dud and a half. If, if, if Calvin Austin were healthy enough to play, I don't think Gunnar Olszewski would be, even be on the roster, if I'm being completely honest. They didn't sign him to a big money deal. as a two-year contract. They can get out of that. They can save themselves some space. But Gunnar Olszewski, when you think about that fumble against New England, that's the one that really killed him. You know, right off the face mask. Just just bad. Just bad football. Hasn't lived up to that all-pro returner that we all thought the Steelers were getting. And then lastly, Larry Ogunjobi. He has been also battling injury. And that's a common theme here with all these players. You Miles Jack basically missed a game with a knee injury. DeMonte KZ was on IR. Mason Cole's dealing with a foot injury. Levi Wallace missed time with a concussion and with a shoulder. Now, Mitch Trubisky's been healthy, but Larry O's been battling a knee injury. So when you have those situations and you have those issues, well, it's tough to really gauge, but I like Larry Ogunjobi. I think he's a really good fit for this Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers defensive front, and I'd be okay if they bring him back. It's only a one-year contract. Same with DeMonte Casey. I'd be happy if they brought both of those guys back. So just just kind of recapping that, thinking about that. Are they living up to those expectations? Because we all had lofty expectations for this free agent group. Some are living up to it. Some are not. There's a lot of football left that could definitely decipher where their future resides, whether it's in Pittsburgh or whether it's somewhere else. Okay, this crux of this podcast here is about hope. Hope. Hope springs eternal. That's the saying. Hope still exists, in my opinion, for this Steelers rebuild. This was something that I was talking about a lot when the Steelers were losing a bunch of games. And yet, then they go into the bye week, and coming off that loss to Philly, which was just absolutely horrible. They come out of the bye, they beat the Saints, and then there's a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope. And then week 11 happens. We all, t- we all know what happened against the Bengals. But the one thing I'm thinking about now is that, believe it or not, I actually see reasons for hope. Little glimmers of hope. And I've been saying all the time that this rebuild is two to three years in the making. This is year one. And three and seven, you know, it doesn't it doesn't equate in a lot of hope, if I'm being honest. When you think about the record right now, but remember, this is not about the right now, so to speak. This is about the future. This is about the rebuilding of the roster. So even though three and seven doesn't give a lot of confidence, I do think there is hope. I think there's hope offensively. I think there's hope defensively. And I even think there's hope within the Steelers organization. I mean, we'll, we'll dive into all those, all three of those here in a second. I'm going to give you reasons why there's a reason to be hopeful and there's why there's a reason to believe that this rebuild is still on the right track despite their current record. But, you know, I was doing some digging. I was doing some digging, looking at just overall records because well, let's be honest, folks. It doesn't look like the Steelers are going to finish with a winning record this season. They could. They could bounce back. I'm not saying they can't. But at the same time, for, for them only losing one more game the rest of the way and not tying a game, it just doesn't look like it's in the cards. So I was curious, because I know the last time the Steelers had a losing season was in 2003. 
That was a 6-10 year. We all know what that led to, the 11th overall pick in the 2004 NFL draft, which they selected Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger with that selection. Thanks, Cleveland, for taking Kellen Winslow the third. Second, Kellen Winslow the second. I don't know. Maybe it was the third. I don't know. Don't care. Kellen Winslow got picked and not Big Ben. So I was thinking, though, a lot of people see this franchise, this organization, taking several years to just become, get, get back to winning, not contending, just to winning. So I wanted to take a look at how long has some of these losing seasons, consecutive losing seasons, been. So I went back to 1970. I went back to 1970, and I wanted to see how many times in that span have the Steelers had back-to-back losing seasons. Not talking about playoffs, not talking about how long it's been between Super Bowl victories or Super Bowl bursts. I'm talking about back-to-back losing seasons. Here's what I found. 1970 and 1971, starting in 70, they had back-to-back losing seasons. Well, we all know what happened in 72. 72 is when things started to turn around, and that's when that Super Bowl dynasty began with Chuck Knoll. Now, at the end, towards the end of the Chuck Knoll era, he had another back-to-back losing season in 85 and 86. They got back on the winning track, 87, 88, and 89, they were back in the playoffs. So there's a little bit of a drought. We all know the 80s was a rough spot after that, the dynasty players of Terry Bradshaw and and, uh, Lynn Swan and some of those great players started to leave the team, whether they retired, whether they went to a different franchise. Those were some lean years in Steelers history, but still... The only second, only the second time that they lost had losing season in back-to-back seasons. Then you go to 1998 and 1999. That's obviously Bill Cowher as the head coach. But people forget that again, 2000 they were winning. 2001 they were in the AFC Championship game. I don't want to talk about that AFC Championship game, but they were in the AFC Championship game in 2001. A lot of people talk about the Steeler way. No, that's not that's not the Steeler way. Maybe the Steeler way, or maybe one facet of the Steeler way that people don't talk about is turning things around. They, they they don't think about the Steelers not losing consecutively year after year after year. I mean, you could look at the Cleveland Browns history, and you would see almost decades full of losing seasons and turnover and things like that. But we know that's not the Steelers in terms of consistency and things like that. But I found that very interesting. Only three times since 1970 have the Steelers had back-to-back losing seasons. Not saying it's not possible, but saying if, if history tells us anything, the Steelers are capable of turning it around quickly. They did it in 2003 when they drafted Roethlisberger. In 2004, they went 15-1, and became a perennial contender shortly after. Is it going to be that way with this team? We'll see. There's reasons for hope. Let's dive into each of those three. We talked about offense, defense, and organizational. I want to talk about the organization first, because you're probably listening, thinking, Jeff, an organizational hope, what are you talking about? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty with the fact that we don't know what Omar Khan and Andy Weedle are going to be doing in the front office, but I'll tell you what, I think they've locked up some key players. You talk about TJ Watt this past offseason, Minka Fitzpatrick, Boswell, Cam Hayward's contract kind of looms over the organization. He's going to be owed a lot of money in the coming years. We'll see what they do there, but a reason for hope also the draft picks. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they trade they trade Chase Claypool to Chicago for that second round pick, and right now that is looking like a steal of a deal. A lot can change in the final stretch of the regular season, but as of right now, the Bears possess a top five draft pick. If that stays true, think about what the Steelers would be getting in the second round. They need that type of talent in terms of that pick, that pedigree, 
They need those types of players. So there's hope there. Now, a lot of people will look at the salary cap space for 2023. Let me warn everyone before you do that. If you are someone that is looking at overthecap.com, sport track, or any other site that is trying to project salary cap space, just pause for a second. Those are not final numbers. There's still a lot that has to go into that. There's a lot of details. I know Dave Schofield is our stat, our salary cap guru. And the one thing we keep, we also don't know, what's the salary cap going to be next year? We the, Everyone assumes it's going to continue to go up. That would give the Steelers more space. But let me also say that that is Omar Khan's wheelhouse. The dude knows how to manipulate the numbers. He knows how to get under the cap. He knows how to spend wisely. He knows how to restructure contracts. I trust him in that regard without him ever having to be the quote-unquote general manager. He's the GM. He's been doing that for a lot longer. So I'm, I'm confident in Omar Khan in that regard. So the organization, they have some really good picks coming up. I know they're going to be able to spend money in free agency, maybe not as much as they did last year, but they will be able to spend some money in free agency. They're going to have some tough calls to make on their own free agents. You think about a player like Cam Sutton. You talk about a player like Larry Ogunjobi, DeMonte KZ, Terrell, Terrell Edmonds that all signed one-year contracts. It's going to be tough, but I think there's hope there organizationally for the Steelers. Let's go to defense. You know, the defense, Mike Tomlin said he wanted them to be dominant. That was the term, that was the adjective that he used to describe the defense. It's not complete. The defense is not complete, but I feel like the pieces are in place. Cam Hayward is still Cam Hayward. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith are turning into one heck of a duo. Miles Jack coming back. Well, what can they put next to him? It's Devin Bush is in a contract year. We're not sure what that means. The safeties. If they can bring back either Casey or Edmonds, I like the what they have there in safety alongside Minka Fitzpatrick. But I also like some of the young pieces they have. I like to Marvin Leal. I like Isaiah Loudermilk. Montrevious Adams is still in the mix. I like Akella Witherspoon as not needing to be a cornerback one, a top-notch cornerback. If he's a, if he's a, a CB2, if you want to put it that way, I like what they have there. I like some of the pieces they've put in place. There are still some holes, but I have hope that, remember, two to three years, they can fill those holes and not necessarily have to either break the bank to do so in free agency or spend every single top pick that they tend to do. I've talked about this before, where they go all offense one year, all defense next year, and back and forth. Hopefully, they don't have to do it that way. But the defense, and you know that there's potential there. You know that there's a lot of hope there in that regard. I think the defense is going to be fine, but they have some pieces in place, but the hope should be there for this group. Now, offensively, this is where a lot of people immediately want to point directly to the quarterback, and I get it. There is nothing saying right now that Kenny Pickett is the answer long-term for the Steelers. The Steelers are not going to close the door on him after one year. They're going to give him an opportunity in 2023. They're probably going to have a new coordinator. It's there's going to be a lot of uncertainty in that regard, but I think week 11 gave a sign of this unit's potential. I know they scored 30 points, oh, seven points in garbage time, whatever. They scored 30 points. But the first half in and of itself, that should have been hopeful for a lot of people anyways. Put up 20 points in the first half. I know what happened in the second half, but that was a glimmer of what this offense could do. And we're talking about running the ball. The offensive line. Keep all this in mind, folks. The offensive line development should be paramount and on the top of everyone's mind when they talk about the future of the offense. Not necessarily just the quarterback, the offensive line. Mason Cole, under contract next year. Same with James Daniels, Chooks Okorafor. Kevin Dotson's not. He's going into a contract year, I believe. 
Oh, no, he'll have one more year after this, but then you have Dan Moore's on a rookie contract. So technically, that whole starting five, not saying that I want that to happen, but that whole starting five could all be back next year, and that could be beneficial for the production of the offense. You want that protection in terms of pass protection. You want that offensive line that can run, run block well. That's what you need. So when you talk about that, and then you add in the running backs, Jalen Ward, Najee Harris, love both of those guys, think it's a great tandem. You talk about the talent in on the outside, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, hopefully someone like Calvin Austin III. You have talent there on every level. Now, is the quarterback the guy? That's the only question mark we don't know, but I like what they're doing so far. There is hope for this rebuild. There's hope for the future after this season. So even though this season is not done, even though this season is not a wash, some people think it should be. Some people think they should lose the rest of their games. I'm not one of those people. I've talked about that many times. This rebuild, there is still hope for this rebuild. I think week 11, especially offensively, pointed to a big reason why fans should say, you know what, that first half was pretty nice. If this team could go out and do that for four quarters, they're going to win some football games. They're going to score a lot of points. There was hope there. There's hope offensively, hope defensively, and even from the organizational standpoint. All right. Very hopeful part of that podcast. In the second half of this podcast, coming up after the break, we're going to have Jeremy Jerome Betts for the All Bets Are Off segment. And then stay tuned for the hard heart at the end. Don't want to miss that. We'll be right back after this break. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of this Friday episode of Let's Ride. You know what that means. It's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. Jerome, happy Thanksgiving. How's it going? Happy Thanksgiving to you. It's going great. Got some family in and just uh, looking forward to some food, some football, and some family time. I got to ask you, so uh, you do a turkey, right? Uh, Yes. Yep, absolutely. What's the favorite side? That's the question everyone wants to know. So for me, it's mashed potatoes and gravy and then okay. the turkey all over it. So absolutely. That's yeah, the way to for go. sure. My, my wife makes this cranberry relish and it's like oh. cranberries, oranges, apples, pineapple. It's really perfect. And it's, it's replaced gravy for me, believe it or not. I put that oh, all wow. over okay. everything. It's really, really good. But anyways, hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family and let's talk about some football. There's a lot to talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers as they get ready for the Indianapolis mm. Colts on Monday night football. Um, I, real quick, before we go into the rookie recap, which we're going to talk about some of those players and, and where they're trending and things like that, what's your overall thoughts on this season? Uh, I think that we all mm. can admit that it's an uphill battle from here on out for the Steelers if they want to make something of this season. But just in general, like, what, what do you think? Like, has this been a disappointment for you, or is this something where you can see some hope and promise maybe down the road? Well, I'd say for for actual 2022, I thought the Steelers would be uh, in contention for the playoffs. I thought they'd be a, a tough out every week, uh, you know, a team that brings it on defense and uh, offense slowly catching up to making them relevant for potential January football. Uh, we were probably out of the discussion for that now for the most part, um, but still I think you can take away some good things from this season. You can take away – um, a rookie class, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, DeMarvin Leal, that has shown flashes of of being really good and, and contributors down the road for this team. And um, 
you know, it a work in progress for all of them. But if you were to to ask me right now, you know, how do you feel about the future? I feel pretty good about the future. Uh, the Steelers address a couple needs this offseason. I think that they're kind of maybe where we thought they might be this year. Um, maybe just a few more holes than we thought they they had going into the season. So uh, my excitement is up. My uh, I'm enthused for the remainder of the season, though, to still see what they can do, see what they can grow and and put together uh, for moving forward. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. I said this in the first half. An interesting statistic I looked up for uh, the, the show is that since 1970, the Steelers have only had back-to-back losing seasons three times, which, wow. which which it's not that they haven't had losing seasons other than that, but only three times have they had back-to-back losing seasons in 70 and 71, and we know in 72 is when they just went on their tear in the right. 70s. 85 and 86. Uh, they did go through a couple, you know, they did make the playoffs, but 89, they were back in the playoffs, 98 and 99, but they were in the AFC championship game in 2001. This hmm. team tends to bounce back. And as an yes. organization, at least in their history, in their franchise history, I, f- I found that very, very interesting. I'm not saying the Steelers are going to have a losing season this year, although it's definitely trending in that direction. But what do you think the odds are of this team bouncing back and having a really strong 2023 I guess a lot of it is based on how they finish this year, but in terms of the trajectory, mm. the arrow, do you see it pointing up or do you see it a little bit more flatline? No, I definitely see it pointing up. I think you're looking at a team that um, with a with a few additions and maybe a, a change at offensive coordinator, uh, You know, I think we're still all kind of on board that train it, despite a better performance from the offense the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, you, you're starting to see a, a team that could put it together. And – yeah, the defense gave up a lot of points to the Bengals on on this last Sunday. But I think you got to also, you know, not necessarily blame the Steelers so much and just credit the the Bengals for putting together a game plan and being the better team. And honestly, they're probably the better team this year. <laughs> They've got more talent on both or on offense especially and uh, definitely the better quarterback at this point. So, you got to kind of hand it to them. So, what what I see looking forward is is a team that has a good core in place. And if you hit on a cornerback in the draft and you uh, add an offensive tackle and free agency or, you know, something along those lines that, um, that improves your weakest points uh, and turns them over into potential strength for the team, or at least a solid point, then you've got a team with a, with a roster um, that is deep on the defensive line and uh, you know, could, could really ride a defense and an improved offense. I think you could hope for that next year to a playoff spot and to contention. So, and I trust Mike Tomlin more than most probably to um, figure it out. So I would say this team is in good shape moving forward. I tend to agree. I tend to, I think there is some hope. I think we've seen little glimmers of hope this, this season, even on the offensive side of the ball that I think fans should be excited about the future of this team. But, you know, you brought up, uh, and I don't want to get too much into this, but I said I was going to ask you this every week. I think I forgot last week, and that is looking ahead. You're a draft guy. Uh, what would be at the very top of the Steelers' team need list in terms of position? Got to be specific. Remember, can't just say offensive okay. line. Heading right. into Week 12, what, has it changed at all? I think the last time you said offensive tackle, is it sure. still tackle, or are you going somewhere else? Well, just for the sake of of being different, and you know, I think it's pretty equal. Uh, to be honest, uh, I'm going to go cornerback, uh, outside cornerback. Um, it, we saw on Sunday uh, a front seven that was still putting plenty of pressure on Joe Burrow, was still stopping the run fairly well. Um, 
but a secondary that was just getting torched over and over. And it allowed for the underneath passing game to Samaj P. Ryan to work to perfection for three touchdowns, you know? And uh, so they really complemented each other well because the Steelers couldn't cover T Higgins and Tyler Boyd on the back end and min- minimize their presence on the field. And just imagine what that would have looked like if Jamar Chase had been out there. Uh, you know, you've got a guy in Arthur Millette who's taking way too many snaps because of injuries and because of poor play from his counterparts in the slot. And a guy like Tyler Boyd feasts on that. And you've got a guy in Levi Wallace. Yes, he makes uh, some spectacular interceptions, but uh, almost double that he's giving up big plays down the field. You know, so I think cornerback, you get a guy who can lock down one side of the field on the back end and uh, essentially limit the offense to to half of their of their option on any given play then that automatically improves what the pass rush can do and if you combine that with the front seven that the Steelers have I think that they can be an elite defense all right I I I don't mind the cornerback talk I think the most recent uh ESPN mock had the Steelers taking a tackle Mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think let me look it up here I have it uh Paris 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 Johnson Johnson. Jr. from your favorite school the Ohio State University um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of people are trending in that direction for the Steelers. We'll see how that goes. All right. One thing I want to do this week, uh, we did this a couple weeks ago. We have more time with the Steelers not playing until Monday night football to do a little rookie recap. And so I want to mm-hmm. do a rookie recap and we're going to go through the rookies. And I just want to see where you think they're trending, which way, you know, are you, have you been pleased, uh, disappointed in some aspects of their game? Let's start at the top. Number one draft pick in 2022. That's none other than Kenneth Shane Pickett, KP8. What do you think about Kenny Pickett after that game where the offense puts 30 points on the board? Yeah, um, I think you're definitely seeing a trending upward. It's a it's a slow trend upward, which is fine. I think, like I've mentioned on here before, and I mean you've talked about as well on Let's Ride and other shows, you know, our expectations are for a guy like Kenny Pickett to come in and be uh Ben Roethlisberger right away, you know, and that's that's just not how it works most of the time you get a, a phenom every now and then a Patrick Mahomes type player. Uh, but even Josh Allen and um, you know, guys like that uh, Ju- Justin Herbert is kind of one of those guys who came out strong, but he's had his struggles, some sophomore slumps and whatnot. But uh, even a guy like Josh Allen, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league took him three, four years to be what he is. So as long as you see a, that slow incline for Pickett, a uh, better job reading the field, which I think he did that on Sunday. It wasn't perfect. Um, but a better job reading the field. Uh, he's definitely more decisive when it comes time to just tuck it and go. And I like that about him. I think hit, hit the young mentality uh, of I can use these legs and, and make something happen is, is impressive and it, it's where it needs to be. Um, I would like to see him be a little more accurate on some of these um, sideline routes and uh, a couple of the over the middle of the field stuff as well. I think he missed a, uh, Pat Frymuth by about 10 yards over his head on one play. Easily. Uh, and yeah. And you know, that's, <laughs> that's pressure sometimes. And yeah. uh, just not, not getting your, your uh, route combination, right. Or something like that with, with Pickett. So I'd like to see some improvement there, but as far as settling into the offense and, and hitting some of his playmakers, letting them do some of the work, I like it. And I think the running game has definitely helped in that regard as well. Absolutely. The running game's help. Let me ask you this question. And this is going to, this is going to tell a lot. Okay. So who would you rather have as the quarterback for the Steelers? If you had a choice, Kenny Pickett or Zach Wilson? Oh, it's Kenny Pickett. I mean, think about that. Zach Wilson yeah. was what? Second, third overall, second, second, second overall pick. Yeah. 
second yep. overall pick. And he was a he, late, late riser, um, like Kenny was. Yeah. But I mean, they were for Wilson, you were going off of a lot of traits. I mean, the off uh platform throws and you know some of the things he can do with his with his feet. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I would totally rather have Kenny Pickett, who seems to process so much better than than Zach Wilson does right now. And not to mention Zach Wilson is a train wreck off the field right now. Yeah. Whether it's the the nonsense with his friends, his mom's friend, or whether it's <laughs> yeah. now the uh you know, he goes up in front of the media after right. the game where his defense holds the Patriots to three points on the game and says, Did did yeah. you let him down? No. What? No. I mean, <laughs> Kenny Pickett would never say that. He'd say, We got to do our job as an offense. He's gonna give you that politically correct answer. He knows yeah. how to manipulate. He's more mature, probably, but it's mm-hmm. one of those things I where agree. it's like, man, all these people that said, you know, Zach Wilson's so much better. Think that, think about what Jeremy just said. He would rather have Kenny Pickett, even as a rookie right now, than the second overall pick in last year's draft. So uh, that's very telling. I'm glad you were honest. All right, let's go to the second round pick, George Pickens. What do you think about him? He's been playing well. Oh, man, trending way up. I think you're looking at a guy um, with continued growth who's a top five receiver in this league. And I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I don't have my black and gold glasses way on for this take. I think it's, you know, something you can take those off and you can see that he's got the talent uh, and the, just the, the drive to be great that you want to see out of a wide receiver. And I think that that might be where uh, he and Deontay Johnson differ is Pickens want to at the point of the catch and his, his desire to, I don't know, put up the stats or uh, just to be a, uh, a contributor for this team, whatever it is, he's, he's going after it every week, every play. And, uh, that the drop along the sidelines, he got knocked for a lot, but I mean, that's as rare as rare can be for, for him. And we saw another incredible catch over a Bengals defender this last week. So I think his stock is trending way, way up. And if this offense can figure out how to put him in more positions to succeed and, uh, Kenny Pickett can, you know, just throw it his way, even if it's not really looking like it's there. As long as you're not throwing it up into double, triple coverage all the time, one-on-one matchups, give it to Pickens, and he's going to make a play more often than anybody else on this team, I think. I mean, you look at this new stupid statistic. I, I hate some of these stats at th- these organizations, whether it's ESPN yeah. or PFF. You know, in two years ago, it was air yards. Air Everything yards. was about air yards. And I did a whole yeah. podcast on how I hated the stupid air yards narrative. It still <laughs> exists. Now there's this new get open stat. I think ESPN's doing it with receivers on how yeah. well they get open. And Deontay Johnson's off the charts in terms right. of his route running. But if you listen to Jeffrey Benedict's podcast on Tuesday, The Cutting Room Floor, he talks about how the while he gets open, he doesn't do a lot of the other things well. He's right. not a good contested catch guy. I would, I mean, I'll ask you this question, but I'm going to give you my opinion first. I'd rather have a good contested catch wide receiver like a George mm-hmm. Pickens, where you throw up a, a, a one-on-one matchup and you give him a, a chance, he's going to come down with it more than he doesn't. Then yeah. I would a Deontay Johnson. That's an incredible route runner, but that's about it. Would you agree with yeah. me or do you disagree? I I would agree with you if you look back at, at NFL history at the best wide receivers in the game. Um, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, uh, Andre Johnson, if you want to go that direction, um, Terrell Owens, guys like that, they were monster, uh, you know, contested catch guys. And yes, they were, they were physical freaks and they, they could get open as well. But what separated them from the rest of the crowd is that even when they weren't open, they were making plays. 
And I think you could call Antonio Brown that as well at his peak. He knew how to separate late in the route. He, he was so good at the, was that offensive pass interference? Maybe you could have <laughs> called it, but yeah, uh, he good. got that stiff arm in late and he knew how to do that to, uh, to give himself success late in the route. So I agree. If you've got a guy that when he's open, he's going to catch the ball and, and do what he does. But even when he's not open, he's going to catch the ball and do what he does. Then you've got a guy that I think is a better option overall. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're going to skip over Leal because he's still on injured reserve. We're going to skip over Calvin Austin, obviously. Let's yep. go to the sixth round pick, Connor Hayward. Now, Connor Hayward has seen an increased number of reps yep. since Chase Claypool has been traded. That does not mean that he's been seeing an increase in production, but he has been on the field more. I'd love to see him get involved more in the actual offensive scheme and maybe a little less Zach Gentry. What are your thoughts on Connor Hayward, though? Yeah, I like I like what he's – I mean, he's kind of proving that he was brought in to – kind of fill in that third down role when you need an extra receiver and maybe not necessarily a pass blocker. Um, and, and I think he does that pretty well. Uh, you would like to see a little more production out of him, but I think that's more about the scheme and the quarterback just not looking his way necessarily than what he's doing. Um, you know, I haven't really dug into the tape of, of him when he's having to get in there and, and pass block or run block. So I couldn't really give you a good idea of, you know, how good he is in that area. But I know as a receiver, I've seen what I need to see out of him and is that he's got sticky hands and he's a probably an underrated athlete. I think he moves really well. He's a smooth mover. We saw that on his big catch and run against Tampa Bay that set them up in, in a touchdown position. Um, so I think, you know, a guy, if you can get him more involved, especially Chase Claypool out of the picture, you've got some more targets that you can divvy up, uh, get him in there. I would love to see that more on passing downs than Zach Gentry taking these screen passes and shovel passes just needs to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how Connor Hayward finishes this year could really go a long way into seeing what this, the organization does with Zach Gentry, who will be a free agent after the season. If they mm -hmm. like Hayward enough and think he could be that guy, then maybe they let Zach Gentry walk. Otherwise, maybe they feel like it's a, it's imperative to bring Gentry back because of what he brings to the team as a blocker. We'll see. And let's go last. We're, we're going to skip over Mark Robinson because he's only gotten a helmet one game this year. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie running back who's dealing with a hamstring injury right now. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Jalen Warren? He's really turning heads and continues to do so. Yeah. Uh, are you happy with the Steelers' usage of him, or do you think that it should be different? When he was healthy last uh, against the Saints, we saw uh, basically a 60-40 split, Najee Harris to Jalen Warren, and I think that that is uh, just about exactly where it needs to be. Um, and that was snap count, not, not touches. Um, so, you know, that's something to consider as well. But I think if you've got a 60, 40, um, snap count, and then maybe your touches range closer to 70, 30, but Jalen Warren's getting the passing game action on third down. Um, he's got, a, he's got a lot of explosiveness and speed and he just, I don't know it when he catches that screen pass, it's like he immediately hits another gear and everybody's angles all automatically wrong. And, um, when he gets the the ball on the handoff and he's he's about to just hit that hole with all he's got. And I don't think defenses are ready for it most of the time. So that's why you see him gain a lot of those yards on the initial burst. So I like what I see out of him. And for an undrafted rookie coming in and 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 playing the way he is and contributing the way he is, I think the Steelers ought to think that they've got quite the quite the steal in Jalen Warren from from this last draft class. I agree. You know, we've always talked about how the Steelers fan base wants a change of pace back. They want a good third down back. They want a guy that can spell Najee Harris. Well, they found him. 
That's that's what fans should be able to hang their hat on and say that the Steelers have that now. And if, if the if the next conversation is how you're going to utilize him, well, then that's OK. And that's okay. right. Yep. All right. So we have uh, we had some listeners that said they wanted to bring back the for our NFL picks. Like, can you bring back the music? Now, I did this when you were uh, without Internet. And I think we had a couple weeks off. I, I did it when I was okay. by myself. I was like, you know what? We're going to do it. So um, let me I'm going to I'm going to plug that tape in and we'll, we'll right. go through. Remember, we're not going to do this for those that are listening that might have missed the last few Fridays. We don't pick every game. We're only picking games that are somehow important to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, all right, let's get this show on the road. We're going to start off with, up ah, Sunday at 1 o'clock, Chicago Bears, New York Jets, no Zach Wilson. Justin Fields is mm-hmm. banged up, too, and that, we're not sure he has an AC joint issue in his shoulder. That's a big injury. Chicago's getting, I was stunned, getting six points yeah. on the road in New York. Again, no Zach Wilson. I don't know if the line has changed since I made my picks. What do you think about this game? Well, I'll say this. I th- it helps the Jets probably to have uh, White in there um, instead of Wilson. So I, I, I like that for the Jets. But I, I would still take the, the Bears with that spread um, to cover if Justin Fields plays. And I think he's on track to probably still play, although he might be limited as a rusher. But still, I like this Bears offense to uh, be potent enough with Fields in there to kind of counteract what is a good Jets defense. So, not necessarily think that the Bears will win this game, but I think that they will they'll cover a six-point spread. I agree. I like the Bears getting six. I hope they lose, continue to lose. Right. That second-round pick, inch up higher. So, there you go. There's that pick for that game. Another Sunday at 1 o'clock. Tampa Bay goes to Cleveland. Tampa Bay's giving three and a half on the road in Northeast Ohio. What, do you th- what are your thoughts on this one? So, you know, obviously with uh, – with this being a division rival, I, I maybe my mind is skewed a little towards the NFC team here, but I still think the, the Buccaneers have kind of been building up to something better the last few weeks. But they're definitely a playoff team, in my opinion, especially in the, the weaker NFC. Um, and the Browns, you know, just kind of a, a mess um, right now in the, in the um, dawn before, <laughs> before Deshaun Watson comes back, if you will, um, you know, I think that the the Buccaneers on defense have kind of figured some things out, and the Browns just kind of can't get out of their own way on defense. The Buccaneers on offense getting better, so I like the Buccaneers covering the spread here and, and winning this game outright probably as well. I like Tampa Bay giving three and a half, even though on the road Tom Brady is undefeated since being divorced. So uh, kudos <laughs> to him that he figured something out. We'll put it that way. Let's, <laughs> yeah, I went there I the, day after, the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's go to the next AFC North matchup, Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Similar spread as the game we just talked about. Baltimore is giving three and a half on the road. What are your thoughts here? This Baltimore offense is a problem uh, for themselves. They're not very good right now. Um, Jacksonville's got enough on defense to to make them work as it is. And after what we saw against the Panthers, I'm not sure you can really find a lot to be excited about about the Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson doesn't look like himself. Uh, And as a passer, he's always struggled, but it seems to be a little bit more this year. I know he's missing a bunch of weapons. Um, But Jacksonville has looked better on offense the last few weeks. Uh, They're coming off their bye week. They're well-rested. It's at home. I like them to cover the spread. I think I actually like them to win outright, which would be an, an awesome thing for the for the Steelers. And anytime you need to see the Ravens win uh, or lose, excuse me, it's a good thing. 
I think Baltimore's going to blow their doors off. Baltimore played bad. They don't play well. They win games, but they don't play well coming off their bye. Now, Lamar Jackson is limited, been limited, but they think he's going to play, I think, with a hip injury, and that's something to keep an eye on. But if he plays and he's healthy, I can see the Ravens just running away with this thing. I've got the Ravens giving three and a half just because I think they're that much better than the Jackson. Let's go to another 1 o'clock game. Cincinnati Bengals over the Tennessee Titans. This is interesting. The Titans are hosting. They're home underdogs. Cincinnati's giving two and a half on the road. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game to watch. What are your thoughts? Tennessee beats up team uh, opposing offense uh, with that defense, that pass rush, and then a secondary that's really good as well. They've kind of got the whole package as far as defense goes. A bunch of solid players playing a scheme that fits them very well. Um, no, not overly reliant on any one player to be great. Uh, you've seen guys like Nico Autry and uh, Bud Dupree in and out with injuries, and they still kind of just put it together and play tough every week. And then, you know, with what Najee Harris did against the Bengals um, this last week running the football, Derrick Henry can do that as well and, and more. Um, and this, uh, this, despite not having much in the way of receiving help, uh, the Titans' passing game is very complimentary to their running game. I actually like the the Tennessee Titans here. Um, it's a it's a small spread here. Uh, what did you say the spread was? I've got one one and a half. I had I had the Bengals getting two and a half. When I did my pick. The Bengals getting two and a half. Okay, so uh, I like the the Titans to, to cover that and, and to win outright. Actually, I actually have Cincinnati turning the corner, and I think they they, they proved something to themselves beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, and I know that wasn't. Pittsburgh's not the team they usually are, but I think they're figuring something out. They're finding their form that they, we all saw last year and went to the Super Bowl. I've got the Bengals winning this game and covering that two and a half point spread. Let's go to the game, and you're going to give your pick. My pick's going to come on Monday as I get fans ready for that Monday night game. The Pittsburgh Steelers are getting two and a half points on the road against Indianapolis. What are your thoughts on this game? How do you see it shaking out? What's your score prediction? So a couple weeks ago, I wrote an article for the website uh, predicting the last uh, eight games of the Steelers' schedule, and uh, so far, I am two for two, predicting a win over the Saints and a loss to the Bengals. So I'm going to keep it rolling, hopefully, here. I predicted that the Steelers would beat the Colts uh, on Monday Night Football, uh, a team that I think that they're actually better than, maybe one of the few times this year the Colts defense and the Steelers defense are pretty pretty much a draw but I think the the Steelers offense might be better than the Colts this year and uh, Jonathan Taylor has not looked himself he looked a little bit better last couple weeks but still I think the Steelers strength is stopping the run that is the Colts strength on offense is running the football so it's a good matchup for Pittsburgh and then um, you know with the way the running game and the passing game are complementing each other in Pittsburgh right now I think they can keep that going against the Colts. So I like the Steelers to win, and I'm going with a score of 23 to 16 for Pittsburgh. Nice. I love it. All right. Let me get this music in. Okay. So, Jeremy, now's your chance to talk to the Ride or Die crew. Tell them what you have coming up on the website, as well as plug your podcast, The Steelers Fix. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, I want to just thank you for having me on uh, every Friday or every Friday show. It's a lot of fun for me to get to talk with you and to give my takes on the Steelers. But, um, you know, follow if you if you like what you hear from me, you know, my soothing tones and all that good stuff. uh, You can go check out the Steelers fix as well. Andrew Wilbar and I have a lot of fun breaking down the draft class and the Steelers um, or how it relates to the Steelers and uh, fantasy football and just a lot of different fun topics. We like to argue we like to agree so you get everything you want from the Steelers fix 
And uh, then, yeah, you can follow some of the things I'm writing on the website. I just came out with an updated uh, power rankings, this time putting uh, teams into tiers. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, do so on the website. And then we'll be talking about um, a kind of an interesting topic. Uh, later on this week, you'll see an article from me talking about the uh, a cautionary tale to the quick fix uh, roster building techniques that we've seen recently. The Rams and the Broncos are a cautionary tale for that. And I wanted to just kind of dive into that and how it relates to what some fans think the Pittsburgh Steelers ought to do. So you can follow me there uh, on the website and at the Steelers fix, and then follow me on Twitter at the bets 93 up to almost 200 followers now. So let's keep it rolling. Nice. Very good. Well, Jeremy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for all your time. And we will talk next week. Take it easy. Have a good one. All right. Steeler fans. Thank you to Jeremy Betts, as always for his segment in every Friday's podcast. It's always a lot of fun to talk with him. Let's finish this up, as I always do, with a heart-to-heart. You know, yesterday was Thanksgiving, and I always hearken back to that 1998 Thanksgiving. For those of you that might be too young, that was the famous Phil Luckett game where Carnell Lake, Jerome Bettis, or the captains in Detroit call it in the air, and it's Jerome Bettis says, head, tails. He calls tails, and it's heads. They, they give the ball to Detroit. Detroit goes down, kicks a field goal, game over. It ruined our Thanksgiving. I was back in Wheeling, West Virginia, and I'll never forget, we came up. It was a 1 o'clock game. We came, or the early game. I don't know if it was 1 or 12.30. Came up. My mom's in the kitchen just slaving away. And they, did they win? We came. All the guys were just so pissed. We're like, no. No, they did not. It was a, ruined the Thanksgiving. Now, what was interesting, though, is I told you all I read Bill Coward's book. He talked about that Thanksgiving Day game, and he actually said that he's gone back and listened to it a bunch of times and that Phil Luckett actually got it right. He said that Jerome Bettis actually does start to say heads, and then they switched it. He switches it to tails. So Carnell Lake only heard him say tails. Jerome Bettis changed his mind at the last second, and this is why that uh, now they always ask the players before they flip the coin, "Do you want heads or tails?" They verify he called heads. Then they flip the coin. So it's pretty interesting how that happened. I'll never forget that in 1998. Sadly, not a good piece of uh, Steelers history, but still nonetheless. All right, folks, that does it for me. I hope everyone out there had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Hope it was filled with family, friends, and football. And I hope that you all got a little bit of a break, a little bit of a a sense of peace and calmness to you. I hope that you're ready for a weekend that's not going to have the stress of the Steelers, but we'll be back on Monday. I'll be back on Monday giving you my parlay from DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to be giving you my keys to victory All that stuff on the Monday podcast, getting ready for that Monday night game against the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Field in Week 12. Be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. Go Steelers. See you on Monday.